0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Have you ever stopped to wonder what exactly success means to you? Is it money, fame, power, all of the above or none at all? I'm Darshan Johan, and this is Redefining Success, a show where we speak to passionate people from various fields about their lives, what makes them tick and what the word success means to them. Joining me on the show today is Eileen Tan. She's the founder of The Accidental Bakers and The Brownies Bar. Welcome to the show, Eileen. Hi. Let's start with the big question I ask um, every guest that comes on this show. How do you define success? What does it mean to you? Uh,
0: I think success was something that When we first started, we also didn't know what it was. But as we've been through this, uh, we started the Accidental Bakers in 2011. So we're now going into 11 years this year. Mm -hmm. I think we've now concluded that for us, success means getting to wake up every day doing something that we love.
1: Do you remember um, at which point in your life you fell in love with with baking and the other point in life when you realized that, hmm, okay, perhaps there's a business thing that I could do from it?
0: Yeah, these are two actually very big um, sort of moments and I remember them very, very distinctly. So the first one being, um, so I used to work in corporate. And I remember thinking to myself one afternoon, I was craving a lemon cupcake with a lemon cream cheese frosting. (laughs) And eleven years ago, we we didn't have such access to home bakers that we do nowadays, and there weren't that many sort of bakeries doing these kind of flavors. And I remember thinking to myself, I wasn't I was sort of like uh, skiving off work in the sense I wasn't concentrating, and I started googling lemon cupcake recipes. Right? I came across one, and I was like, Hey, this seems pretty easy, actually. I think I could do this. So okay, I hope my bo- my ex boss isn't listening to this. But I feigned I sick and I said, "Oh, I think I need to go home. I'm gonna work from home." And what I actually <laughs> did was, instead of going home, I went and googled a baking store, sort of somewhere near my house, and I found one. And I went, "Hey, you know what? I want to go home and going I'm gonna bake this damn cupcake." So <laughs> I did. So that evening, I actually by myself. I was home alone that day, and I said, and I just went through the steps, step by step. Um, and then for some miraculous reason, the lemon cupcake was so delicious and Fantastic. I loved it. And I went, oh gosh, this is it. This is exactly <laughs> the flavor I was craving and I've done it. But as a result of that, I now have 36 cupcakes. <laughs> so I went, I 36 cupcakes. I had two and I loved it, but I'm now down to 34. So I started calling friends and I was just like, hey, do you want cake? And of course, everyone's like, yes, 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 I'll have cake. So that's <laughs> kind of how it started. So every time I, the passions sort of grew from there because I was like, OK, this tastes really good. Let's see if I can do it again. So I started experimenting with another uh, recipe and I was like, OK, this is really good. And then the same friends are like, hey, you want cake? They're like, yes, yes, yes. So that's how it actually started.
1: Right. and so, at, um,
0: yeah. Our name was called The Accidental Baker. So all this literally came by accident. And I actually started this company with a very, very good friend of mine who's now my business partner. And she had the same thing. He was also like, I was craving cheap, this passion for cheesecake, right? <laughs> and then he went, I'm going to try to make it. And he did. And it was delicious. So we're just like, okay, I think we've got, we're have got, we on to something here. So um, at that point, uh, pizza, certain friends and, certain, and they started passing off on our stuff to other people. And it turned out these people were cafe owners. So they were just like, hey, would you guys like to supply to us? And we we're just like, us? You want us to supply to you? So we're like, okay, let's try this out. So we started supplying to a neighborhood uh, cafe in Damas, and we were just doing that part-time. So we did that once a week. Um, and then after a while, uh, wind sort of, you know, people people started catching on that we were right. doing this. So more and more cafes started calling us up. And so we we're like, okay, sorry, but the day job is getting in the way.
1: Mm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, need to, I think we need to make it clear that uh, me, both me and my business partner, we both left corporate jobs that we loved. So it wasn't a thing of that we were so unhappy in our corporate jobs or whatever. No, we loved our corporate jobs. So leaving that was actually not an easy decision as well. Because on top of loving what we did, it was the safety of a monthly salary. And that's something that's not easy to give up.
1: Yeah. And so how yeah. did that... Um, moment come about because um you were in um, PR and marketing before this right yeah, yeah and when so you know when you decided that oh now that you know more and more cafes are coming and asking you for supplies yeah. and you realize that okay I don't have the capacity um to do both you know like i, I need to let one of them um go oh uh, when did you uh, how tell, talk to me about this process this process about you know uh, you know slowly coming to the realization that oh uh, okay I probably you know, am ready to leave my corporate job and do this full time?
0: I think it was over coffee one day, me and my, my uh, this is partner, we actually said, I think this is it. I think we need to take the plunge. Um, and I think we were in a place where we we're just like, look, the safety of a monthly salary is of course the thing that scares us the most, but let's give ourselves some time. And I can't remember, I think we gave ourselves three to six months in advance and we knew that. We were going to jump into this March uh, March 2014 onwards. We're like, we're going to do this. Um, so I think we gave ourselves about three to six months and we said, look, let's be good the next three, six months as well. Let's put aside money for a rainy day in case this doesn't work out. But we always told ourselves, I think we need to try. If we don't try, we're never going to know. But And if for some godforsaken reason this completely bombed, we said we think we have enough skills to go back into corporate. Right. So we said we always we felt that we always had that safety net Then, no matter what i think we can find another corporate job if for some reason this doesn't work but for us not trying we, we never know the outcome of it and dreaming it wasn't at that point wasn't enough for us we we, we really wanted to, to try our hand at this
1: hmm. you know what i find fascinating is when we talk Um, You know, I've talked to a couple of artists, for example, and for them, um, you know, art, um, performance, um, even painting and all was something they discovered they loved since they were, you know, very young. Whether they can, you know, do a business or whether they can work in the arts industry and all that came much later. But the passion itself came when they were young. What were your interests um, and all back then? Because it seems like your passion for bake, uh, baking and all sort of came about randomly at about 11 years oh, yeah. ago or so. Um, so, you know, what was it like um, back then? Did you ever think, um, you know, as, a, as when you were a kid that, oh, you know, one day, you know, I might be a baker? <laughs>
0: Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I think if you looked at my my sort of elementary school yearbook photos, um, which I stumbled upon a couple weeks ago, it said that I wanted to be a marine biologist. Wow. I I I have no idea where that came from. um, But then, growing up, uh, heading towards university, I always envisioned that I'd be the next Christiane Amanpour. I wanted to be a broadcast journalist on uh, CNN. And then, after I went, after a while, I thought, no, maybe that's not my cup of tea. And that's probably how I ended up. But I still, I was still in media. That's why I was a former journalist as well. Um, and then I also dabbled in PR and marketing after that. Hmm. So this was completely, that's why I said, it, we are truly the accidental majors. This, you're right. This came about very much later in life. This was never part of our plans or not something we dreamed about. It literally just came out of nowhere one day, just because we wanted to eat cake. And that's all. Of, that's how it came about.
1: Do you, you know, when, when people see, um, let's just say they just go to your Instagram pages and stuff and they're like, oh, wow, you're selling um, cupcakes on Instagram and, and all of these. And, and you know, and then now it's uh, expanded to something so much, uh, so much more than that. Um, you know, a lot of people just see that, OK, you're doing a cool job uh, and that's about it. Oh, the, the glamorous side of things, right? Like, especially in this social media age. Um, but what is it? What are your day-to-days? Uh, you know, what, what is what is your day-to-day routines like? Um, especially in the early stages, um, were your days did your days get grueling?
0: Absolutely, our uh, we always say on social media you only show what you want to show, mm-hmm. and you'll notice people only show the happy things. So nobody saw us that um, scrubbing floors around new brand our brand new central kitchen because uh, we were very very lucky. We actually ended up working from home. And we were baking from home for a year after we left our corporate jobs. And after a while, that just didn't do. Because when we're living with families and all that, you can't take over the kitchen. You know, mom gets really angry when you take over the kitchen. Yeah, so ironically, we had actually done a radio interview with BFM. Mm -hmm. And somebody had heard us saying that we wanted, uh, we were looking for a central kitchen. And that person called us immediately after the show. So we always say that was fake. So when we finally secured the place, which we're still here now, It's been, what, seven years we've been here? Uh, When we first moved in, the place was a mess. So we had to scrub. And I remember laughing. We were both like on our hands and knees, and we're like, Sila, Sila, give up a corporate job to be Cinderella. (laughs) (laughs) That's all the unglamorous side that we don't Mm -hmm. show people. But yeah, it was a lot of going out, um, making a lot of cold calls and, uh, and approaching cafes, because back then, we didn't have a name. Nobody knew who we were. And it also wasn't the trend 10 years ago to take cakes from home bakers mm-hmm. cafes and all that. we still wanted to take from established brands or if you had a, a big factory. Um, but recently we learned a term people like us are what we call micro bakeries. Right. So we're micro factories micro and we're micro factories because at the end of the day, we're still artisanal. All our stuff is still handmade. It's not an automated process. So everything is still made by hand. So we're a micro factory, but that's since grown. I mean, in the 10 years that we've, we've been around, I mean, throw a stone and you're going to hit a whole baker. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows, everybody's friend or somebody's friend's sister or brother even is a baker these days. So people are absolutely spoiled, right? But this was definitely not the case
1: back then. How many years um, were y'all, you know, from, you know, were y'all did you have to balance between um, doing this on the side and um, working on your corporate job? And And were those days like really overwhelming at times?
0: It could have been, there were times like that, because at the end of the day, Monday to Friday was still dedicated to our corporate jobs, uh, and we baked on weekends, but it meant very late Thursday and Friday nights, for example, because we needed to get the orders ready for the weekend crowd, because that's usually when cafes were the busiest, so they wanted their cakes by either Friday evening or Saturday morning, so it meant really late Thursday nights, or really late Friday nights even for us, in order to make those deadlines. Yeah. But once we went full-time, then we realized, hey, we can actually bake the whole Friday, not that Friday after work. So, yeah, we did have to give up the social life. We that to do it, but we
1: did it because we On the show with me today is Elaine Tan. She's the founder of The Accidental Bakers and The Brownies Bar. After the break, I asked her what it feels like to do something she loves. We'll be back with more on Redefining Success, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Redefining Success. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Elin Tan. She's the founder of the Accidental Bakers and the Brownies Bar. So Elin, how did that go from doing it online? Um, to you know on social media and stuff to you know actual um, setting up an actual physical store or you know even um, because now you have a physical store in Pavilion um, to indoor cafe supplies and all of that um, and because this like you said it's not even something that you planned you just wanted a lemon cake you made it yeah exactly and so how was that the growth like and when you guys were growing right what did it feel like at that point? Uh, I think
0: when we first started we knew that we didn't have the capital, nor did we have, you know, to, to be able to start a bakery straight away or have a physical store for that matter. Uh, although that is the traditional dream of, of a baker, you kind of go into it thinking, I'm going to have a store one day. Um, yeah, we've always had that dream. We've always had that dream, but not something that we could entertain until much, much later, until we knew it was realistic enough for us to, um, I guess, have a, a, a name... Sort of big enough in order for people to take us seriously, because in order to want to rent at a mall, for example, you needed you needed some sort of credibility to that. They're not mm-hmm. going to take any old home bakery to right. Place. So when we first started, no capital was definitely our inspiration. We need to. We knew we weren't in a in a position to be able to pay rent for a place as well, or for a central kitchen because we were just starting out. So having to sell our stuff online was the most sort of logical and cheapest option, honestly. And at that point, I think social media was starting to grow. You know, when you're publicizing your stuff on Facebook and things like that, that was just starting to grow. Instagram hadn't hit yet by that time. Mm. Instagram came in at least about five years later. But yeah, but at the end of the day, we always attribute it to word of mouth, actually, because we started developing um, sort of what we call ad hoc clients as a result from our cafe supply. Because it's natural when you eat something nice or what, you will ask, hey, who made this? Right. Some of our cafe clients were very supportive about that. They're like, Oh, do you think this is good? They're, it's from the accidental makers. Then these guys started looking us up. Yeah. So that was one way. And that's how we, we sort of develop our, what we call our ad hoc customers. Right. And these are people who probably order two or three times a year. And this could be their mom's birthday, their dad's birthday, maybe an anniversary cake. But we're very grateful. We've actually got customers since from 10 years ago, who's followed us through our entire podcast. And it's nice. I think, for us, it's nice. And for them, it's nice that they can pick up a phone and know that it's somebody they, they recognize who know their tastes and mm-hmm. their, and they'll call and just say, hey, my mom's birthday is next Sunday. You know what to do. That's awesome. Get ready. Yeah. So in order to, as part of that process as well, we knew that um, sitting in our central kitchen and being online wasn't enough. Mm. It's comfortable. Some people might be comfortable with that. But for us, we went, no, this isn't enough. We needed to do more to sort of gain traction. And for that, that's where markets came in. So pre-pandemic, there were tons of markets around town every weekend, right? And these are markets that sell everything from FMB to b to basically small little artisanal markets. So we literally hit the ground running. We were doing markets almost every weekend, jumping from mall to mall, place to place, and that's after all, people started recognizing us, and that was great because they would ask, "Hey, where are you guys in two weeks' time?" And we're like, for example, we're going to be a great Easter mall. Come see us then. Nice.
1: And that's where the
0: attractions of came
1: in. Um, in the early days, did y'all have to do delivery yourselves and all of that?
0: Absolutely. My gosh, <laughs> I take it these days are spoiled. <laughs> all the luxury of these third-party deliveries. Right. Like, we actually did everything on our own because at that point there was no such thing as a third-party delivery mm-hmm. service. Or if they were, uh, I remember the one that was available. Like the earliest one was I uh, was called GoGet, mm. but they were so expensive, and it didn't help that, for example, some of our clients were in Cyberjaya. So by the time we put cakes with them and you know paid for that fee, we practically lost all our profit for the week. So we went, we can't do that. So it's a case. Sometimes it's a case of. I need to save money for a rainy day, so right. we need to do it myself So it meant getting in our car with all the cakes and driving to, to giant to deliver our cakes.
1: In, you you know, you mentioned you need saving, uh, you need to s- balance out your accounts, right? You need to make sure you have money for, the, for a rainy day. When y'all took that leap of faith to do this, were there times where um, things were incredibly financial, financially difficult for y'all, where y'all thought, Oh no, like, I, I don't know if we can do this. Like, were there doubts?
0: Absolutely. We, we have had moments like that. And uh, like any entrepreneur, at the end of the day, you have to sort of pay all your bills and everything first. And unfortunately, sometimes that means we pay ourselves last. Hmm. Uh, in situations like that, there have been times where we've been unable to pay ourselves even. Those are some really bleak black times, but we learn from that. So we, we learned that, you know, we, we need to always make sure that we have our nice little pot of reserves in order to carry us forward. But it's also made us very cautious about how we spend and how we, yeah. You know.
1: And did you all have to, do you see yourself... Um... Uh, you know, as time, you know, has, uh, you know, passed, becoming a little bit more relaxed. And I don't mean that in a in a bad way. I mean, like, are you in a place where it's a little bit more chill now compared to, you know, back when you all started, you know, you have to do the delivery yourself. Now you have to worry about finances and all of these things. Uh, compare perhaps, uh, tell me about how your days have changed in that regard. Definitely. Our days
0: have definitely, definitely become more relaxed in a very good way. Mm-hmm. And I think this is... Uh, I think this is the point where we always dreamed we would be eventually. Nice. Um, and I think that's also partly to do that we're supported by a really good team. We've got a fabulous team that works with us, um, that's taken on a lot of things that we, wouldn't, that we would have to do ourselves that we now are able to offer them to somebody else. But we're a very close-knit team. We're a very close-knit family. And that, that helps us a lot in getting a lot of things done as well. So we always say it's very important who you invest in and who you choose to be on your team. Because these people can really make or breakthrough.
1: mm mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned the pandemic earlier. Did the pandemic um sort of shake things up a lot um for you guys? And um, was it a particularly difficult period?
0: Actually looking back now, although you know, although we are still in the middle of a pandemic, but mm-hmm. twenty twenty was a very interesting year for us. Uh I, we were we're not ashamed to admit that we were completely lost when the first MCO hit we didn't know what to do because this is not something anybody knew what to Mm -hmm. do. And we're just like, what do we do now? Our cafe supply has stopped. You know, people are not allowed into malls. We've lost our walking crowd. What in the world do we do now? And we sort of put ourselves in the shoes of customers. And we, we, we also put ourselves in the position of what did we want to do, you know, in order to help people. And then at the end of the day, we always say, when people ask, what do you do? We say, we serve happiness. We bake little morsels and we sell literally boxes of happiness. So that became our mantra because we're like, let's go out and tell people, send happiness through sweets. Let your friends and family know that you're thinking of them, um, you know, and by sending a box of sweets from us. So, you know, that's when we started. um, That's actually when it started to grow. And um, during the pandemic, actually, we did very, very well. And that completely surprised us. And on top of being able to send stuff within the Klein Valley, we realized people couldn't go home to their hometowns or whatever. They couldn't see their families. They couldn't what. But moms and dads still had birthdays. You know, sisters and brothers still had, you know, celebrations going on, but they still couldn't go home. And that's this was the first time that we actually send, they started sending our stuff out within Peninsula, Malaysia, and East and West Malaysia. So we, that's, that was a first for us, and we've done that to great success. So we're now able to sell our stuff, you know, send our stuff, which was a dream mm-hmm. because now um this was previously we admit very, very limited to Klein Valley. If you were in the Klein Valley, you have access to our to our brownies and our suites, but now we're able to send it everywhere.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely fantastic. How do you measure growth? Um that's a
0: good question, actually. How do we measure growth? I guess. Okay, this, this might not sound business-related at all, but just our maybe even our level of personal happiness and what we do, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, I mean, thinking back now, we uh, we remembered people, you know, telling us, thank you so much for sending across that box of goodies to so my mom. She loved it. She was having a hard day and it reached her at the right time. And we're just like, we're so glad that we're able to play a part in that, you know, and we're always really honored that people would choose us for their special occasions. So, we love that we get to be a part of everyone's special occasions and that
1: brings us absolute joy. Yeah, talk to me about that because I'm very interested because you this is something you you are doing because you love. Of course like you, you need to make money and all of that we have also talked about yes. that. But what was perhaps that moment where it, that really made you feel that wow like you know like it's just cupcakes to to some people but it also brings a lot of joy.
0: Uh... We have so many of those, Mm -hmm. but I think for us, the ones that that have stuck with us for so many years is just wonderful because like, we've got one particular client who I remember first tasted our stuff at a cafe that we supply to. And since then, we've made almost every birthday cake in their family. family. On top of that, we made her sister's wedding cake. When her sister was expecting, we made the baby shower cake. Mm -hmm. Uh, When the sister finally delivered, we made his first birthday cake and the fact that people have brought us along on their journeys. I mean, that, that is something we could have never asked for. And the fact that they've made us part of their family.
1: Before we wrap this conversation up, I want to ask you, you know, this is something that you love doing. What does it feel like um, waking up every day, um, doing something that you love?
0: It's a great feeling. I, I and one I always say money can't buy, um, I don't know how to, I really don't know how to explain this, but the fact that every day we get to wake up and look forward to making things and packing them into boxes where we hope people oh, go, wow, is a good thing.
1: On that note, Elin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. That was Elin Tan. She's the founder of The Accidental Bakers and The Brownies Bar. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app, bfm.my or pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. You just have to look up Redefining Success. I'm Dashan Johan, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes, BFM 89.9 the business station.